0: Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're grateful for a pleasant day, for the gathering of the saints, time in your word, and we'd ask that we'd be encouraged by it, uh refreshed, pointed in the right directions. In your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, some of you are friends of mine on Facebook. Some of you have already seen um, the darkness that befell me yesterday and took a wonderful picture of my wife and I paddling someone else's boat in the dark on the Snake River. That's someone else. You could see his knees in the photograph because he had fainted. No, he hadn't faded. He was working on the boat, which was broke. It was a great time. It was, a, it was just a very good time. L- really. We went down on the river. The weather was just tremendous. The, the, when the sun went down, the river went to glass. And, it was, and David was fishing, catching fish. That big. Then the key broke in the ignition of the boat. And consequently, Made the uh, boat impossible to turn on. Paddles worked very slowly. Um, and it was 8:30. Sun was going down, so it had dropped below the ridge. It was still a balmy breeze blowing up the river, kind of the smell of Hades on it. <laughs> he said, "You're dead." And Leslie had already decided that she could get comfortable in this boat. sleep the night away, though no one because there's no cell service in the valley would know where our bodies could be found so we paddled around and looking for the road that was not well traveled and we saw some headlights coming down the road and so Anne um, had a flashlight David was under the console working on trying to hot wire the boat Successfully, but not long-term successfully. It would start, but wouldn't stay start. But Ann got up there, and she was she's a tall woman, and she was waving this flashlight. The first car she waves it at pulls over. What was the guy's name, Paul? Paul Hill. Paul Hill. And uh, we discussed it with him over the water, yelling, because we hadn't yet paddled more than halfway. He said he would go down to the landing and see if anybody had a boat in the water that could come tow us. Closest landing, not the one where the truck was, but it was about a mile or more. And uh, you're saying, does this have anything to do with the sermon? Yes, it does. <laughs> the guy came back with a park ranger who couldn't do anything for us. But he was nice and she had a sat phone, so she phoned the Asotan Fire Department Maritime Rescue. They could do something for us if we waited long enough, and so instead of paddling a mile and a half, taking five hours to do it, we said, we'll wait here. Paul took the wives down to the truck to get the truck, and they would meet us at the landing that, in theory, the rescue would tow us to. So David and I were sitting there on the boat, Lights out, I mean lights out, down in the valley, that part of the river, uh, all the Milky Way was visible. Smoking a cigar, just rocking back and forth, slight breeze. Rattlesnakes hadn't gotten out to the boat. <laughs> David was talking about, he'd been reading in Mark, Mark six or somewhere in there, about uh, the woman who was healed by touching Christ's the hem of Christ's garment, Christ didn't know he was being he was out healing because she was doing it without his knowledge. But in the process, David's lying on his back on the back of the boat, staring at the sky, and we you know those usual things when middle-aged men stare at the heavens and know their place. In mentioning in mentioning this, he commented uh, on. Christ feeding, uh, walking on the water, uh, a little bit of a chapter later in Mark. And so when I got up this morning, because I got home late with one wet leg, but I'll get to that wet leg (laughs) later on. I got up this morning, and since I had threatened the leeches with a sermon illustration, I said, you know, why don't I look at that passage? So I I went and looked at the passage that David had brought up, and then looked at the Matthew accounting of it, the Luke accounting and John's. And all of them add a few things. You know, all of them add a few things. And I found that the Matthew passage, the one we're in this morning, Matthew 14, what I had gone through in a blessed state, I mean, the water was like glass. The rescue boat was solid and powerful. The food that uh, David and Ann provided was great, we were just out there. It just I even took my shoes off. They got a picture of me without my shoes on. You can ask Ann for it if you'd like. I don't ever not wear shoes, but I did. But there was some common thread when I was reading through the passage, I went, this is really, I feel a familiarity and I am judged in that familiarity. Let's take a look at it. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. But the crowd, when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng and he had compassion on them and healed their sick when it was evening, the disciples came to him and, he sa- and said, this is a lonely place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And that's what, that was the first portion I and oh yeah. I was looking around the river. The sun was just dropping behind. David was putting his rod and reel away. He was going to go start the boat. There was nothing on the river. The river was calm then click nothing nothing suddenly being alone in a place you couldn't get anything cell service, nothing this is a lonely place the day is now over That's, it was charming for a moment as long as the boat ran Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. We had half a loaf left, but only four of us, not 5,000. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. Well, you know the story, feeding of the five thousand. The twelve baskets full, you probably had an arch book when you were a kid being read to you about the feeding of the five thousand. And all the lessons you can learn in that. But this is in the middle of something. David was sharing yesterday about how the, the woman who touches Christ is in the middle of a story about Jairus' daughter, where Jairus is trying to get Jesus to go heal his daughter before she dies. And that woman interrupts that scene... And then it has to pick up, and the Jairus' daughter has died in the meanwhile. <laughs> yeah. Those sorts of tensions, you if you keep reading in a context, you begin to see what's going on. And read, I encourage you to read. The synoptic accounts, because it will flesh out other things um, and let you know about other things that are occurring in this circumstance. It's a miracle of Jesus Christ, feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I don't think the 5,000 people had faith that they would get fed. It's just the power of Christ. Then he made, verse 22, the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, remember, at the beginning of this, he wanted to get away from them in the first place. Back in verse 13, he withdrew from there on a boat to a lonely place apart, and the crowd tracks him down. So he does this, teaches them, feeds them, sends them away, and then still, okay, I'll get some time off. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Okay, this is where it gets different from where I was yesterday. It was lovely. Even when we were broke, even when we were adrift, even when we were going to die, it was lovely. And Anne was taking pictures. Are we waiting for that last moment, the last breath? Get a photo. Automatically uploaded to Facebook. Look, they're dead. But here, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. In a storm. Jesus, it says in one of the other Gospels, saw them. He's up on the mountain on one side, looking down. And he can see the boat out there. Beaten by the waves. He has spent his day trying to get away from people. They track him down. He feeds them an immense amount of food, sends them away, and then just tries to get. So then his disciples go out and get into trouble. And then it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Do you know what time that is? I wasn't out that late. The fourth watch, the the. the there's there's, uh, four watches in the night and Roman timing it goes from six to six Uh, there's three hours for each watch so you're talking about three in the morning they're still trying to make headway in the middle of the Sea of Galilee trying to get to Capernaum and he came to them walking on the sea when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified saying it is a ghost and they cried out in fear and Peter answered him immediately he spoke to them saying take heart it is I have no fear and Peter answered him Lord if it is you bid me come to you on the water now this is in the Matthew account is added in the other accounts don't have the, the has the Jesus walking up to the boat and rescuing them, but doesn't tell you about the, uh, the Peter circumstance. Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. Now this is where I mean, obviously it's different than my experience last night. We were well fed, we were rescued, the water was calm, it was balmy all the way, just. And Everybody was nice to us. The guy that stopped when Ann made the signal, lonely road, headlights, she's waving the light. He just very gracious, drives way miles out of his way to help us in our circumstance. I get home, there's a phone call on my message machine at the house. He called our house while we were gone and left a message that we were okay and Not only that, Leslie's talking to him up on this road, ask him who's, she always introduces herself. And uh, he lived like four houses away from us. He lived just down C Street, right at the corner of Van Buren and C. And he's the one that stopped at, at Ann's signal. And then the ranger was really nice, and then the sheriff was really nice, and then the firemen were really nice. They saved my life. Everything was lovely. And as some of us get put into a, a, you know, a trial where, where things aren't going correctly. And you don't realize, here are the disciples rowing against a storm. Now it's three in the morning. It's, this is what it would have been like if, if David and I had, had to row to the light down there. It would have been three in the morning before we got there. But the bad storm... And the rescue shows up, Jesus walking on the water. And he tells Peter to come to him, to reassure him. Peter leaps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. I know how remarkable this is. I attempted it last night. Unintentionally, that's for sure. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he'd been seeing the wind for hours now. He had faith in Christ. But the memory of the wind, the storm, comes back to him. And he was afraid, began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, O man of little faith, why did you doubt? What an awful thing to say. This guy's been rowing against the storm all night. And he cries out to Christ that he, can I come to you? Yes, Lord. And he's walking on the water for heaven's sake. And you're walking on the water. What more do you want, Jesus? Jesus little faith? I've been walking on water. So it starts to slip, I start to think, and already you're going, oh, little faith? Why did you doubt? Now, when I reached that point, not only was it vivid because of my circumstances, I don't tell you how long you already died. Everything had been pretty positive for a, for a adventure. Everything was pretty cool. When the uh, Fireboat got there they are going to tow us into the landing and so David was hanging over the front tying the rope on and they said you need to get onto our our boat so we can tow the boat we don't allow people to ride in their boat so we were going to step across David stepped across without a problem I and they were probably aware here's the old guy get up on the bow and I don't know if you know about boats they move okay <laughs> They move, and I was aware of this. I was in the Navy, and I, I, I grew up, you know, doing both things. And uh, it was a matter of just stepping into the, the boat, right up, snug against the back of this fireboat. Now, the fireboat has like a landing, like a, a diamond steel uh, uh, bumper on the back that's like a step you could just step on it. Traction. Now here's the difficulty with this device. And there were firemen there, you know, responsible guys who do this on the river all the time. Reaching a hand down, you know, a nice manly hand. Reach this guy's hand. Just like Christ reaching out to Peter. And I just have to have enough faith to get from one non-sinking boat to a non-sinking boat. Um, Easy. No storm, no... I'm not stepping out into a storm to meet Jesus on top of the water. I am trying to step onto a diamond steel bumper. Which, let me describe how this is. Maybe this. This box here. This is, this is our communion cups I ordered. Uh, so this is the bumper, uh, looking down on it. And it's diamond steel. It's about a foot wide, appropriately, because I'm supposed to put my foot on it. But here at the corner, it does a 45 degree angle, which in the dark, and it was dark, I didn't see that that was missing. That's where I stepped. <laughs> Down I went, leg into the drink, the fireman leaping for me, rescuing the old coot out of the certain death that he was plunging to. <laughs> and I got to enjoy a wet pant, leg, shoe, and sock, and I'm still enjoying the wet shoe this morning. Because I only have one pair of shoes. (laughs) Because either that or be barefoot again, and that's not happening. (laughs) But what little I had to do. Larry, I just had to get from one boat to another. But all these images were really strong because now I'm respecting Peter a lot more, right? Evans was Boy, Peter, you've got it. You're stepping out of a churning boat three in the morning. You're already frustrated beyond belief. The day has not gone well. And there's your Lord walking on the water. And why not? You're going to walk out there to him. And out you go. And you step into the water, not under the diamond steel bumper. All of it's supposed to sink you. Why does Jesus say, O oh man of little faith, why did you doubt I think, you know, you think about Peter's faith, my gosh, it held him up on the surface with the cohesion of the water. But it, how could it hold him up? He's saying, I think he has great faith. Greatness of faith is not always measured on the axis you think it is. And this is where I think things started to jump out at me, At this, uh, you might say practically. Because we had all these people standing around listening to Jesus. and, And he feeds them all miraculously. And moment to moment, God does good things for us by our faith and satisfies us. It says, verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. A lot of people come to Christ, come to the Christian moment, moment to moment, offering up faith for Aunt Ethel who has cancer... Whatever the prayer request, we we look into ourselves, consider our degree of faith and what we can pray for, and then in moment to moment, the immediacy of the Christian life, we offer that up to God. But sometimes we train ourselves to think that our faith is asked for moment to moment. Not that God, God obviously serves us moment to moment. He gives us things moment to moment. We sometimes think that the offering of our faith is moment to moment. And it could be immediately great faith. A lot of people think that faith is the degree of juice of this faith juice you get of how strongly right now I believe this thing right now and if I can just pray this prayer with enough of this juice. Convincing God, I absolutely, just for the you ever think this? just for this absolute nanosecond of time, if God could just see great faith in me this moment, he'll give me the good thing, the thing I need, the thing I ask. Peter managed that. I mean, like I said, I've tried to walk on water. What kind of faith did he have? He looked at the Lord and he knew he wanted to go. The Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you. Come on out. Why did you doubt? The little faith is being measured on a different axis than how completely in the immediate, how completely in the moment that stood before you, you believed. The Lord wanted him to keep believing. So that it's not a story of you checking in with faith before him every so often when the need for faith arises. Because most of your life you've got under pretty good control, right? you take taken care of most of things. So we get trained, because of God's immediate and moment-to-moment provision, that we can react to him in an immediate moment-to-moment way. The greatness of the faith, he asks of Peter, is over time. And they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent round to all that region, and brought to him all that were sick, and then besought him, that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Now I don't think this is what the passage there in verse 36 is saying, because that's what the woman does in another passage, and Mark, she just touches the hem of his garment, just the fringe. And it'll heal people. But we, we get a different meaning for the word fringe, right? Fringe element. They're a fringe element. Uh, um, a lot of people become, because God is good to those who become, just fringe in their appeal to God. Fringe in their faith. As minimal a faith, a momentary, 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 momentary faith always considered whether or not you've got it in you to offer up to him you're just there to touch the fringe of his garment so he'll heal you the disciples of Christ who are following him are walking on water folks they're doing miracles and they do more and more and they're being asked for more faith greater faith if you had greater faith you could do this So you want to ask yourself about the fringeness of your behavior in faith. It's tempting to us because God is good to us in this. It's not saying God does not look at this. He had fed the 5,000. What did they offer him? He is healing these people who are on him. He wants to go get a rest for heaven's sake. People are coming to him and he's still doing good because he is good. So sometimes we are tempted because God is good, as it says here in the Luke passage on the left-hand side, but love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. And these people that chased him down to touch the fringe of his garment and be fed And you might want to think that 5,000 people sat on this mountainside getting fed by Jesus were all the most devout people in Judea. In the John account, same circumstance, right below. John 6, 25. When they found, this is after all this has occurred, he has fed the 5,000, gone through the Walking on the water, gets to the other side. The crowd figures out where he is. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? (coughs) Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, because of the free lunch. We need to check our faith. Because not only when we have great faith in the moment, which might bring us an even miraculous degree of God's provision, God still provided the loaves, even though these people were just up to the loaves. They were just up to getting lunch out of God. And sometimes the way our faith works, we're always holding up This thing or this request or that request, it's not that God doesn't care, and it's not that God doesn't answer those prayers. God does. He is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Remember the Samaritans with leprosy that he healed? Ten of them. One comes back and thanks him. Jesus notices. He says, weren't there ten of you? I healed a leprosy, by the way. We forget our faith might provide, really, an answer from God in the immediate, moment to moment. But if you don't look at your faith and go, like Jesus does of Peter's faith, and says, why did you doubt? Even if you walked into it with great faith, even if you started with great faith, in any sense of how much faith in the moment, if it's not steadfast, if it doesn't forbear, if it does not continue, if you're not persevering, we can be the kind of Christian, and really a Christian, who is just tossing little bits of faith at Jesus Christ to get our fill of loaves. These are the people that were involved in this situation. So Christ remarked to them then, verse 27 of John six, do not labor for the food which perishes, For the food which endures, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him has God the Father set his seal. So here's the question. Sometimes, in the immediate moment to moment, that God does answer our prayers and God does care and he loves us more than we deserve sometimes, and he answers our faith more than our faith deserves, perhaps. He gives good to us. But when you're operating in the moment-to-moment, you're generally operating on things that exist in the moment-to-moment, things that concern us, like meal. You know, it's part of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It is right that you make those requests of God. What Christ is asking for is more than that. You go to him with your most basic of needs, physical, spiritual, whatever. But you don't go back to your own life. You don't fail to be a faithful Christian to him in the meantime, in between those times. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Once I start moving away from how great is my faith and did I have the right faith unto salvation or for the provision or an answer to prayer, you say, now I'm going to work on this forbearance. Now I'm going to work. It talks about that in Second Peter 1st chapter about things building to steadfastness. One of the parts of the armor of God in Ephesians 5, 6, Ephesians 6, is on the steadfastness of the believer and having done all to stand. Now, one of the things that you, when you're looking at this term, that the the axis of greatness is how long, you will find that it has very little to do with whether an object is given to you or not. Because if you look at faith in the scriptures, Abraham's faith, A lot of people never received what they believed God for. It's not a matter of this thing getting to me, getting this problem answered in the positive. They waited for something that they would not see. You're not answering, you're not, your faith is not resting on whether the exchange, the negotiation of your faith. And sometimes you have to admit, when you're praying in faith, you're trying to negotiate X amount of faith to God, so he will give you this X amount of stuff that you think he should, because you believe it. That's not wrong. But if it's only there, if you don't ever have a faith that is because of who he is, We covered it when we were in Bible study a few weeks ago um, that our faith is us finding an authority we believe is in charge, and when you find a God, when you find the Christ, you find someone who's in charge all the time of everything. It doesn't matter whether or not you get what you asked for. It didn't matter to Jesus Christ that he got what he asked for, because he asked to have this cut passed from him. And then he said, not my will, but thine be done, because he believed his father. If you're going to work on durational faith, that your doubt doesn't enter, having started with faith, falling off when the hard times come, it's a matter of you looking to Christ not looking to whether or not you'll get the answered thing prayed for you're looking to him as him i give it as a final passage hebrews 12 right in that bit about faith since therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We look at him, not only as an example of not growing weary and fainthearted, but as the target or the point of our faith. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And we look to him. We consider him so that we don't get weary. We don't, halfway out across the lake, on top of the water, start to sink because we start to measure that the gravity and the nature of water is a bigger truth than our God. All the things that are bigger truths than your God come home to you, and you're choosing to stop believing. Choosing to begin to doubt. And you start to sink. steadfastness in your faith, its going to rest in who he is and whether you look at him. We survived on the river. We had to eat three or four of the crew members, but uh, actually it was uh, cheese. But it was really, uh, again, we <laughs> I realized my limitations in a blessed situation. I mean, it was just, it was just glorious. There was no part of the tragedy that wasn't wonderful. Other than, yeah, I mean, it wasn't my boat that broke, so I, David's got a broke boat now, but it's home. But, you know, you find that, my gosh, if, he's telling Dave, uh, Peter, oh, you know, little faith, why did you doubt? And we get thrown into beds of ease where we're called into a little bit of question or a patience or whatever. Remember what he is asking us to do. To look at him in the hardest of all circumstances unto death. Because he endured from sinners such hostility. But start to learn how how much you can stand with him over how much time, not just when you want to collect something from your God. Let's thank Him. Dear Lord, we are grateful that you are God and that we stand before you with our lives trusting you with them in all things. We ask that our faith would be permanent not merely offered on occasion. That we be in you. And we trust you with our days. Thank you for this morning. In your son's name, amen.